0: Tonight, the organist who entertained and then encored says farewell. Yes, you understand that correctly, after 42 years of broadcasting Nigel Ogden is hanging up his microphones and mixers for the last time. And through the magic of the technology I'll be having a chat with the man himself, plus a few surprises along the way. All that to come right after we've heard the man himself play on the third of the BBC's theatre organs, the ex-Empress Boring Blackpool Whirlitzer, while it was in the Playhouse Studios, which is the instrument all the tracks are being played on tonight. So here's Nigel with that Silla Black Classic downtown. Nigel Ogden and downtown and greetings Nigel for what is your last regular contribution to the broadcast world
1: oh let me get the hanky out yeah well thank you very much and it's great
0: to be with you as always and thank you very much for being here and uh, I want to clear something up straight away, because a lot of people have expressed concern to me, and general concern, that the reason you're stopping, not just broadcasting, but also theatre organ playing, is because you're not well. So let me ask you, are you well? I'm extremely
1: well, thank you. Very well. And no, there are other reasons which we will doubtless come on to in, in the fullness of time.
0: Yes, of course. But you're not actually retiring from music altogether, because... Um, as I understand, you've now taken on a second church job up where you live.
1: Yeah, I'm busy playing at church on Sundays and other days as well. And s- Sad though it is, plenty of funerals as well to play for. And I'm not saying I won't do any other theatre organ playing um, at all. It's just I decided really after the lockdown and the, uh, the Covid stuff, I thought it's a good time to retire, really, seeing as I'm well past retirement age anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's it's, it's nothing more than that.
0: Well, I think that makes sense. I mean, after 42 years of doing it, not only broadcasting, but many years before that, playing concerts and rushing around, I think you deserve to put your feet up.
1: Well, I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you. I mean, that was one of the major factors, was the travelling around, isn't it? Certainly not the playing. I mean, I would love... Playing. I'd love playing the instruments and uh, all around the country but traveling was getting really irksome mm-hmm. and um, and as you say yeah I've been doing it for a long time since I first started playing concerts I mean when the di- the diary was at its peak I was doing over a hundred concerts a year some years and mm-hmm. as well as doing the weekly program as well and uh, yes it's it's been very enjoyable but hard work so there comes a time when you think well, all these pension funds you paid into when do you start to take advantage of them really
0: yes of course well that makes sense Well, tonight we're featuring all the music on the BBC World, which I know that uh, you enjoyed and I do as well, and they're all tracks taken between 1980 and 1988, so the first eight years that you were broadcasting on The Organist Entertains. So let's start off with a track from your predecessor on that show, Mr Robin Richmond, with his typical stylings of Stomping at the Savoy and the 920 special. Mm -hmm. Robin Richmond, Stomping at the Savoy, and the 9.20 special.
1: Yes, I'll tell you a little story about uh, Robin. I helped, helped him out at the Playhouse. He did an LP on the Windmill record label. It was all Frank Sinatra songs. Mm-hmm. And he phoned me up and said, you don't happen to be free on this particular day, whatever it was, the recording day. I could do with somebody to come and help sort the music out. Yeah. Of course, I was absolutely delighted about this. And went down to the playhouse and Robin had arranged all these three-tune medleys of Frank Sinatra hits and he'd got them all sellotaped together. And uh, as soon as he'd got to the end of the first song in the medley, he wanted me to whip the music away so the second one was there and the same for the third one. Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. did this for every track, all these three-tune medleys. But there was one track... Um, I think it was the first track on side two, and he particularly wanted to insert various bongs on the cathedral chimes. Mm -hmm. But he was so busy doing other things that he couldn't manage to find a spare finger (laughs) to to do this. So he said, well, you're here, you can do it. So wherever the chimes appear on that particular track, it's me.
0: Oh, well, there you go, to add to the a list of accolades, of yes. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And the other thing I must tell you that for the whole day, Robin chain-smoked <laughs> at the console. <laughs> and even when he was in the middle of recording a take, if the, he got to the end of that particular cigarette, he'd just snatch it with with his hand and throw it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this was in the direction that I was standing. So by the end of the day, I was covered from head to foot in Robin's cigarette ash.
0: <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> anyway, so Nigel, I must ask you does it feel like 42 years?
1: It certainly doesn't. I just really, really can't believe it. And uh, although I, I can remember vividly that first recording session for the Organist Entertains in 1980. Uh, But I I, I can't believe it's that long ago, no. It's it's incredible.
0: Almost everybody who was on the concert scene between 1970 and 1988 played or recorded the BBC Wurlitzer, and for me they can be split into two categories. Uh, Those who I've had the pleasure of meeting and hearing play live and those who I'm far too young to have done so. So here's just four tracks strung together of those that fall into the latter category. Uh, The first is Ernest Broadbent with his own composition Regency romp then Louis Mordish with two guitars, followed by William Davis playing They Can't Take That Away From Me from the pen of George Gershwin, and finally, to end this quartet, Brian Rodwell and some jazz stylings of You Stepped Out of a Dream. Well, you'd certainly be out of a dream after hearing that. Now, over lunch recently, you told me a rather amusing story about Louis Mordish, who I know you held in high regard. Could you perhaps recite that uh, now? Because I know a lot of people will probably find it equally amusing as I did.
1: Yes, I did admire Louis greatly, and he was a wonderful chap. And he was, you know, he, as you know, he played well into his 80s, mm-hmm. still playing immaculately. And we were sharing a concert at the Odeon Leicester Square one Sunday morning. And I think Louis did the first half and I did the second half. And he, he played superbly, did lots of his light classics and everything else. But by that time, he was starting to suffer a little bit with cataracts. Mm-hmm. He was still driving around, around all over the place and still playing at the Café Pelican and St Martin's Lane and driving home at whatever unearthly hour of the morning <laughs> to Wembley Park. During this first half of this Odin Leicester Square concert, he finished a particular piece, then set up for the next one, which was a quiet ballad. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, he'd left a 16-foot tuba or something on the pedals. (laughs) So he started this quiet ballad, apart from the pedal, which went, you know. (laughs) And when it got to the interval, we were having a chat and that was all he could remember he he'd played brilliantly the rest of the the rest of the half of the concert had been superb but all mm-hmm. he could mm-hmm. remember was this duff note on the pedal uh, he said you see it's the theatre lighting with it being dim and my cataracts uh, it's a bit difficult to see everything properly i said no, i totally understand but you know don't worry about it it was wonderful Anyway, you you, you talk about your cataracts. You're still driving around, aren't you? He said, oh, I can see a bus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, you can't argue with that, can you, really? (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, Something I've always wanted to ask you is about your dad, who I understand had a connection with a one-time Paramount organist at Manchester. Um, It's Just to satisfy my curiosity, could you tell me a bit more?
1: Yes, if I can remember the sequence of events. My my grandfather on my father's side, my, my dad's dad, mm-hmm. was a Methodist minister. And various times over his Methodist minister years, he invited Sandy Macpherson to come and give concerts at various chapels where my grandfather was the minister. Mm-hmm. So my dad got to know Sandy quite well mm-hmm. and... Uh, Sandy arranged for my dad to have an audition for the BBC for broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the war put paid to that. Mm-hmm. But prior to that happening, my dad decided he ought to have some proper theatre organ tuition. Mm-hmm. And that came from a chap called Gordon Banner. Mm-hmm. Now, you never hear his name mentioned.
0: No, hardly ever. But he
1: was at the uh, Paramount, in Manchester, for... Uh, I don't know, I know how long, but yes, he taught my dad for a short time.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, my curiosity has been satisfied there. One of my all-time favourite combinations of organ plus another instrument is your very good self with John Roadhouse on alto sax. How did this combination come about?
1: In the early days of the organ centre days, there were still programmes on that featured theatre organ tracks, Uh, Sam Costa used to have theatre organ tracks, at least two, on his lunchtime Mm programmes every day. mm -hmm. And um, these came... uh, Charlie Chester, who had his Sunday Soapbox programme, also featured theatre organ. And I think it was, um, just for something different, my original producer on The Organist Entertains, Peter Pilbeam, Mm -hmm. I think it was his idea, he just came up with the, the idea of mixing organ and sax. Uh, And, of course, Johnny Roadhouse was one of the most famous names in the BBC Northern Dance Orchestra, Mm -hmm. the lead alto sax player. And uh, so I forget who did the arrangements, the musical arrangements for Mm -hmm. them now, Mm -hmm. but we did did three separate sessions of those. um, And I I think they worked well.
0: Uh, They certainly do, and and to my ears, they're, as I say, one of the best combinations of organ plus another instrument. So I think it's about time we heard um, from one of those tracks and a tune that's very appropriate for today, which is down Forget Me Not Lane. mentioned at the start of the show that we'd have some surprises along the way and over the last few months or so myself and John Leeming have been collecting various messages from folk in the organ world to comment on this closing a chapter in the broadcasting organ world. Uh, the first of these messages uh, comes from somebody who you've probably not seen or heard from in a very long time but somebody who uh, you will remember no doubt and that is David Williams.
2: I think the first thing that springs to mind when I think of Nigel is is just a fun person to be around and, uh, you know, great sense of humour, which was infectious. And uh, so lots of fun times were had. So I guess I I first met Nigel, it must be plus 40 years now, and I I was starting out playing the theatre organ, and he was very encouraging. And uh, and that extended to, you know, him organising the BBC to come and record me. And uh, he was responsible for, you know, organising that. And then I can remember sharing at least how many concerts with him? A few concerts, Nigel. I think there were two concerts I shared with him at Worthing and uh, maybe at, at Granada Wolfenstahl. I can't remember now, it was just too long ago. But, uh, yeah, very happy memories. And what a player, you know, such a versatile player, whether it be Bach, uh, whether it be jazz. Uh, whether it be, you know, light organ music, he could really do it all. And of course, let's not forgetting, you know, more, in more recent years, the Blackpool style. And of course, the programme, you know, years of, of doing the organist entertains. And it was great to hear him uh, broadcast all through the years. And um, yeah, lots of happy memories. And um, I really do wish him all the best uh, in his retirement. So thank you, Nigel.
0: Well, David Williams didn't record the BBC Wurlitzer, but our next artist did, and here's another David, David Lowe.
3: I first heard and came across Nigel um, when he was playing in the Manchester area. He was certainly somebody that was developing musically very well, and at a time when young people coming into the scene were very much to be welcomed. But we certainly worked together when that when Nigel was a judge at the Northern Theatre Organist of the Year, Northern Young Theatre Organist of the Year competition at Gummersall. and I suspect that we probably grew to to know each other uh, from then onwards. The other way um, that I would have, of course, heard Nigel play would have been on on the radio, no doubt on the Organist Entertains. I think the thing that that impressed me was his versatility and the range of his repertoire. He seemed quite at home playing Norman Cocker's fiendishly difficult tuba tune, or on the other hand playing arrangements which were not a million miles away from the great Brian Rodwell and, and anything in between, like music, popular music, and he could knock these things off quite easily, uh, almost casually, but not but to a very, very high standard. And I was always very impressed by that. He never ever seemed to make a mistake.
0: Well, let's hear from David now, and although the quality of this recording isn't all that good, I hope you won't mind, as it's a catchy tune called The Woutmeer March. tune apparently was popular with the ice dancers as a 14 step whatever the devil that is Uh, now time to hear from two more people from the same family
2: hello nigel it's mark Lafflin here and i just wanted to wish you a very happy retirement from broadcasting you've been such an inspiration to me and i know many people over the years and uh, hopefully you'll have many happy years of retirement ahead of you all the best Hello, Nigel. This is
4: uh, your fellow colleague, Nigel, from BBC Days. You probably remember in uh, the BBC Radio Theatre with Roger Tucker and uh, his long introductions. But many happy times, and I've still got recordings from then, which I still enjoy listening to, but I wish you all the very best in retirement.
0: Now, Mark is, uh, of course, too young to play, and Nigel himself doesn't, Um, but our next guest arrived on the scene just at the right time to be invited to record his first session on the BBC Wurlitzer.
5: Hi Nigel, can you believe it's 40 years this year since we first met at the Northern Young Theatre Organist Competition at the Three J's Entertainment Centre in Gomersall in West Yorkshire. You were in the audience, I was one of the contestants and I won the competition and that was the beginning of our friendship which continues strong to this day. And what a huge contribution you've made over that period. Concerts, performances at church, classical organ things, performances with choirs, uh, you name it, and uh, recordings, I well remember a session that you did at the BBC concert hall in London, where I was turning the pages for you, and I remember that you recorded eight or nine items, and all but one of them, you played all the way through perfectly first time, and I know of no other musician who could have done that, most of us get scared of the tape recorder and something goes wrong, but not you. It was so professional and so well done and uh, massive pleasure from your performances over the years. And uh, of course, massive pleasure also from your broadcasting career. First of all, The Organist Entertains for many years. Now The Organist Encores. And uh, I can certainly believe that you want to put your feet up a little bit and, uh, and take it a little easier. And who can blame you for that? But thank you so much for everything that you've done uh, musically and for the organ world over all those years and uh, a very happy retirement from the organist on course.
0: Well, let's hear Simon now from his first ever recording session, which uh, incredibly was less than 12 months after he'd first played a cinema organ. And Simon, if you wish to fast forward two and a half minutes, you won't have to endure yourself playing. But for the rest of us, here he is with Happy Talk. <laughs> talk from South Pacific and here's two more from the pile of messages for today's show.
4: Hello Nigel, it's your old mate uh, Robert Clary. Nice to have this opportunity of just saying a few words to you. I wanted to thank you for all the lovely music you played over so many years and for me it's got to be approaching 45 years And, and all the concerts, music and everything else that's happened in that time. Uh, I did a recording very recently for the blind people of Sussex and I mentioned you and the fact that you're one of the very few people in the country that's perfected the art of playing light programs of music on church organs up and down the country. But I especially remember those days uh, in Bradford-on-Avon and Melksham uh, when Tish and I lived in Corsham, And there's also the time when you played many concerts at Bill and Grace Hollands on on their con uh, in their home in the village of Neston in Wiltshire. hope you'll be able to keep playing the church organ Uh, keep enjoying music Nigel and after all uh, musicians never retire
6: Hi Nigel it's Michael Waldridge here can't believe you're actually retiring you're meant to be young Nigel I'm not sure where that leaves me now but hope you have a fabulous retirement and I look forward to seeing you when I manage to come up towards Blackpool beside the seaside have a great retirement
0: now Michael did play the BBC World sir, but time constraints and one thing and enough I mean that we'll have to leave that for enough a show, but uh, never fear, uh, he will get an airing. But somebody who always tailors his style to each instrument is our next guest.
7: Hello there Nigel, um, it's Len here, Len Rawl, and I'm delighted to uh, have this opportunity of catching up with you. We all go our separate ways one way or another, and uh, uh, enjoy making our music individually, but I have to say, you set a standard by which all the rest of us um, can never follow and uh, I'm sorry indeed to learn that um, you're stepping away from the theatre organ world but that's more to the benefit of the classical world which I know you enjoy and derive so much pleasure from and you'll give it your very best shot all the way along the line. So it's a personal thank you from me for all the opportunities that you've put my way and uh, uh, happy memories remain with me of each of the opportunities we've had of engaging together. So keep well, keep those fingers going and I hope to see you, well if not over the footlights, uh, from behind the church altar somewhere.
0: Well, we went straight into there a track of Len Rawl with a very sensitive interpretation of "I Could Be the One." Now, I mentioned John Leeming helped uh, me gather some of these messages, so let's hear what uh, he's got to say.
6: It's John Leeming here, and um, I certainly have a lot to remember about Nigel. He—he he was someone I suppose I first came across the name Nigel Ogden through the Lancastrian Theatre Organ Trust, Faces of the Future and all that business, when he was a, a young organist still at school, I think, and his name appeared on the radio. And then I saw he was due to do a concert at um, Clapham Junction, I think it was, and I went along for that. And I was bowled over by it, really. I thought, this is wonderful that we've got a, a young player who's coming along like this. And he took part, of course, in the reopening concert of the, old Odeon Wurlitzer from Manchester in the Free Trade Hall and he acquitted himself brilliantly on that occasion and there was no doubt he was going to be a big name for the future and uh, we became good friends because I was secretary of the London district of the COS in those days and I used to book him for concerts from time to time and uh, we used to socialize as well have a meal afterwards that sort of thing and it was not just a, a pleasant musical occasion when he played for us in London. It was a, a social occasion as well. and the, the gang would gather together and if he was down the day before, we'd go out for a drink. But of course, then he went on to even greater things with the organist entertains and He was an obvious choice for a successor because he was so knowledgeable. He was on the spot in Manchester where the programme was produced and there were organs that he could make use of when he played for the programme. In particular, he did quite a bit on BBC Theatre organ number three in the playhouse, BBC's Playhouse Theatre. And he held the organist entertains together for, oh goodness knows how many years. Then of course, after that came the organist encores. And so Nigel's been on the air continuously almost since around 1980. It's been quite uh, wonderful and uh, I'm sorry Nigel's retiring, he has plenty to offer, but I do wish him well and I'm sure he will have a very happy, enjoyable and hopefully musical retirement.
0: And last but not least, somebody who's involved with two very special instruments not a million miles away from where you live. Hello
1: Nigel, Cameron Lloyd here, just to wish you all the very best in your retirement from broadcasting. I hope that we'll still be able to uh, get you to come and play at the Empress Ballroom and, of course, the Opera House. Uh, But uh, all the very best to you and I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.
0: That's the last of the messages from everybody.
1: Well, goodness me, that's absolutely fantastic and uh, I'm completely and totally humbled and I'm sure none of what anybody said is true at all. Yeah, that was, it was really, I was really—I really don't know what to say. It was just so kind of people to, to take the time and trouble to say all those things. Thank you very much.
0: Well, we've uh, left on a uh, Blackpool mode note. Obviously, Cameron looks after or helps to look after or heads the team, I should say, to look after the um, organs in the Opera House and Empress. So with that in mind, let's hear from uh, some music from three people whose careers started, and some still are, uh, continuing at the Tower in Blackpool. The first, Phil Kelser, with a duo comprising of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World and music to watch girls by. And then Peter Jebson, who uh, plays this Sinatra hit, My Way. And finally, Robert Wolfe, with a trio including Tea for Two, Singing in the Rain, and I'm going to Charleston back to Charleston. <laughs> Time is nearly up, but before we go, just a a few more things. All of the music on tonight's show has been possible because you've taken the rather bold decision to do something very drastic with your archive. Perhaps you want to elaborate.
1: (laughs) Well, yes. I mean, that's the other part of... Well, not not part of my retirement, but something I decided to do. We wanted to do... Things at home, reconfiguring rooms and just generally having a bit of a sort out. And uh, as you now know, my collection (laughs) took up a huge amount of space. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought, I really need to do something about this rather than just have it sitting around. I need it all to go to someone who will hopefully treasure it and make use of it. And you were the obvious choice for that, with particularly now you would been doing the organist encores for these last few years. Mm-hmm. And I thought if you you can have the lot basically, apart from a few bits I've kept for my personal listening, as mm-hmm. it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know you're playing your way through the organist entertains recordings, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thr- I'm thrilled that you've got the archive, and I know you will let it be heard, or some of it anyway.
0: Yes, I mean, uh, I did a rough, uh, rough calculation that there's got to be some 600 cassette tapes, um, which at one point were strewn all over my living room floor, which uh, didn't make me entirely popular at home, but uh, they've since been um, sorted out, and uh, I'm, I'm ploughing my way through them, and, and the plan is that next year, um, although you won't be there to present it, your archive is going to continue um in one form or another and i hope that i'll be able to bring a um a broadcast a complete solo broadcast once a month because i know that so many people enjoy um listening to stuff which either a lot of people have never heard before or perhaps they heard once on the radio back in in the late 60s and uh, it's just uh, really fab to put all of this stuff out there
1: well, that's wonderful. I, I couldn't. I couldn't be more thrilled because it, it's, it's, it's unique stuff in its way, isn't it? And uh, as I say, it was just a shame to have it just sitting on my shelves, really.
0: Yes, and somebody my age or people of my generation and perhaps generation slightly before me have had no idea of the variety of. Um, uh, Material that was specially recorded uh, over the years for broadcast, and um, all this wonderful stuff, which is uh, is entirely uh, new to me at least, and um, I, I really want to share it with the world because it's it's no point it just being sat on my computer if uh, you know people don't get pleasure out of it.
1: Good. Well, that's that's we, we, we both have the same aim, shall we
0: say? Exactly. Now, one one final question, which is. Uh, Looking back, you've been lucky enough to have met uh, most organists, at least probably every organist uh, in one stage or another uh, in the UK and quite a number of uh, international artists. Is there anybody that you could have met or heard but sadly never got the chance that if you could uh, uh, commandeer uh, Doctor Who and his TARDIS you'd love to go back and see and meet and hear?
1: Yes, there is. you um, just heard, what well, we've been hearing all through the programme, the Empress... Ballroom world, it's a. I never met Horace Finch, mm-hmm. and I really would like to have done that and chatted to him because his approach to his the way he played his style of playing was again unique, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd I would have given a lot to just meet him, chat to him, and stand there looking at him while he played, really, to see how how he did things.
0: Yes, and to understand how he managed to play so cleanly on an organ in that acoustic exactly incredible well thank you for that and just to add to my own comments I know we've heard from a lot of people but um I can't thank you enough for all you've done in the theatre organ world your presence on the airwaves has been part of my life since my interest begun in the organ um which was some years ago um and uh, after 38 years of it for you to continue with enough of four for me has been an absolute dream and it's been an A true honour to work with you and thank you for many hours of listening that uh, you've given everybody over the last 42 years and I know that so many will uh, miss hearing your voice on the airwaves um, but uh, really do enjoy taking it a little bit easier and uh, I'm sure that at some point on an anniversary milestone or something important happening will will drag you back out for a comment so (laughs) thank you once again Nigel.
1: Well thank you very much David it's been a real joy to do it all and particularly these last few years to be with you on the Organist Encores as well. Thank
0: you. We've agreed uh, to leave Nigel's Organist Encores email uh, address live for the foreseeable future so should any of you wish to um, drop him a line you can do so. Anyway, let's end rather appropriately with the last song you played on the BBC World. It's in 1988. The title of the song was appropriate then and indeed it's appropriate now. The song has ended but the melody lingers on.